Welcome to room 4216. I'm so glad you've come. Okay, so you really think a theme is the best way to go for this one episode here until we start a new book? Yes, I do. Mm. Okay, how about this? Um, go to go to Luke 24, 24, Let me grab Luke. Okay. and verse 47. 24, 47. Yeah, because we're going to be starting in Luke later, so I thought, hey, if we can start in this. So 24, 47, if you read that. And repentance and forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. You are my witnesses of these things. So it's the idea of the Great Commission. Uh, preach to all nations, and uh, you'll be witnesses of these things. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's the theme, and that's what we'll go with. Uh, there's a better place for the Great Commission, though. Where's that? Well, Matthew. Uh, but we're not going to be in Matthew. Well, we... We're going to go to Luke next. But who says we can't? I mean... I say we can't. Oh. <laughs> yeah. And uh, you make the rules for the whole podcast, right? Oh, wait a minute. I better be careful here. <laughs> but But Matthew is... These verses just don't have the kick that the All right. that the Matthew how, verses have. How about have. then we go to Luke chapter 5. Luke chapter 5? Five. Five. Yeah, and this is where Peter and James were in their boats, and Jesus said, uh, you know, um, can I hold, use hold, your boat? Well, hold and, on, hold on, let me find it. Let me find and, it. And, well, yes, you do, and I'll tell you what oh, it is. And, okay. and he said, can I use your boat because I need to talk to these people? And, and he moves out from shore. So why was he using them. a boat to talk to people? And, Hmm? Why was he using a boat to talk to people? Because he was on the shore and he couldn't talk to enough people. But if he moved out in the boat, then he could talk to lots of people as they're on the shore. Oh. And when he was done talking, he said, drop your nets. And then James and John, I think this is the right one, said, well, we've been fishing all night, but because you say so, we'll do it. And they drop in, their nets are full, and they call Peter and, and Andrew You mean they called and, uh, James and John? No, James and John called Peter and Andrew, no, their partners. No, he was in Simon's boat in the first place. I've got uh, it right here. Oh, man. Okay, whatever. And then uh, they had so many fish, and Peter jumps down, uh, falls on his knees, and said, Oh, I'm unworthy. Get away from me. And Jesus then said, I think it's verse 10, I'll make you fishers of men. And they left their boats and nets and followed him. How about that? We could start with that. The idea that, um, um, you know, Jesus, when he calls us, he makes us his witnesses, and then he re, uh, sent them out in chapter 10 again uh, to all the nations, and, and then we got chapter 24. Does that have enough zing for you? I suppose, but Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 and 20 just summarize it so well. My dog is at the door barking. Let me get him in, and then we'll talk about this again. All right, all right. You've got your dog in. Yep. And so now, will you please listen to these verses? Okay. Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20. Then Jesus came to them and said, 
All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So, first... Jesus promises to be with us always, to the very end. And isn't our show about reminding people that we are not alone? We're not alone. Uh-huh. Second, these verses, the, the Great Commission, this is where it comes from. It summarizes it. It's got kick. It's got power. Yours are just kind of squiggly wiggly. <sighs> but third, if you think about it, can't we both be right? I mean... You feed off of your verses, I'll feed off of mine. So there! On the topic of the Great Commission, I received a, uh, an email, it's kind of a newsletter, uh, just a couple days ago. And the title was, Jaw-Dropping Statistics and Some Hope. It was by Peter Mayer. He is the uh, executive director of uh, Center for U.S. Missions. We can get into that later. Uh, Just wanted to note his credentials. He wrote, While training a group in South Dakota, I shared some statistics with the participants. The participants were surprised to learn how many of their neighbors were unclaimed by any church. Their own county has 57% unclaimed. Wow. But the most startling was the neighboring county where they were considering a church plant with 64% unclaimed. Skipping down a little bit in the article, um, he noted he was sharing some maps and and he says, you know, in sharing these maps, this is just draw-dropping statistics. And he then quoted uh, somebody at the thing saying, we didn't know so many were unclaimed by churches. He then adds, the statistics he shares come from data gathered and processed by the Association of Religious Archives. They gather actual uh, data and not just... um, Not just... um, uh, uh, generalizations. They gather statistics from every religious organization, including non-Christian groups such as Jehovah Witness, Mormons, Eastern religions, and even these non-Christian groups are included in these statistics. So what you're saying is that in the 57% and the 64% mm-hmm. of unclaimed, that means that they're not claimed by any religion at all. Correct. That's what these are saying. Yep. Mm. And he, he, again, he repeats, the numbers are jaw-dropping. Here's another thing he adds then. Um, while Gallup and other statisticians claim that uh, the average popula- in the average population, 40% uh, attend church on any weekend, uh, these statistics give different picture that emerges. Religious researcher David Olson tracked 
actual church attendance, not just merely taking representative by phone calls, but contacting 200,000 of the 350,000 churches in the U.S. Mm. He came up with these statistics. His findings reveal that the actual rate of church attendance is less than half of wow. what Gallup has uh, so counted. less than 20%. Uh, he says uh, that shows that in 2004, 17.7% um, of the population attended church. Okay. And only 23 to 25% of, of American population attended church in any three to eight weeks. Mm. In 2015... This number dropped to 11.7% uh, of who attend on any given Sunday. The point of the above, he says, I don't intend to promote uh, hopelessness or hand-wringing or simply giving in to inevitable decline. The point is to emphasize Jesus' words, the harvest is plentiful. That's the article in summary. There's a lot more to it, actually. Well, I remember you once saying among the blind that only 5% go to church. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and people are shocked when they hear that. But it's because of this article and other things I had read, I wasn't so shocked when I first was led to 5% of those who are blind go to church. Most of America doesn't go to church. And that... You can be a Christian without going to church. I mean, there are listeners of, of this podcast that can't get to church because of transportation. I can't get to church because of transportation yeah. sometimes. But it's less likely. And then when you're not with a group of people, it's like you're alone. And when you're alone, it's like a sheep wandering around and the lion, hmm, lunch. I have another question. Mm, you always have questions. Questions, <laughs> yes, questions, yes, I do. Questions. And that's you know good. To, you because know what you, to do if I didn't. Well, uh, you represent a lot of people with your questions, and, and that's great. Well, um, I'm not so sure some of our listeners are going to like this question. Mm. In fact, some might want to turn the podcast off after oh, I ask this come question. On. I doubt that. Go on. Is there really a place called hell? Hmm. Is there a place where they can't help? Well, I think there is three possible answers to this. Number one, yes, there is. But first, it is, by definition, a place of torment and anguish for those who aren't with God. Ooh, okay, if there is a hell, that's what it is. Number two possibility is, I don't want to think about it because it's a place of torment, anguish, and a place for people who don't believe in God. Hmm. Or the third possible answer is, no, there's no hell, because after all, that would be a place of torment, agony, and a place for people who don't belong to God. So, so but I've heard it said that God is too compassionate. He is too merciful. He couldn't stand the idea of his children, the people that he created, 
being put into a place of torment. So mm. how could there be a place called hell then? Well, I've also heard people say, why isn't God fair and just? And why doesn't he smack that person down and, and, and do my just revenge? Where is God with his vengeance? And doesn't he even care about all the evil and injustice? That's the flip side. And so if God is going to be both just and merciful, there's got to be a hell. Which brings to mind two things. One, the Bible does talk a lot about hell. It was made for the angels and them. You mean the fallen angels? The fallen angels. Mm-hmm. And it's not was not made for humanity at all. Ooh. Mm-mm. Second thing is, comes to mind is my dear friend Roger, who would always like to say, and he would say it always, and he'd say it to make a person uncomfortable, time is short, hell is hot. But now, Cecilia, I have a question for you. Uh, All right, this is a new one. Why did you bring up, at this point in our discussion of the Great Commission, the whole topic of hell? Well, it it only flows. Flows? Yeah, from the Great Commission. Jesus said, he who believes and is baptized will be saved. Okay. Well... He commanded it, yeah. And, therefore... He who does not believe is not saved and will be in hell. Hmm. I have on the telephone with me uh, Reverend Dr. Peter Meyer. Tell us what your first is your title right now. Well, I'm the executive director for the Center for United States Mission. We're all about the Great Commission. Every month you send out a newsletter with some really interesting things. And this last month, you actually was titled Jaw-Dropping Statistics, and they were. And just to clarify, Mm. since you brought this article here, when it, and we said this, but I want to hear it from you. When you talk about the percentage of unclaimed, that means nobody, even Jehovah Witness, Mormons, Islam, any religion is, is reaching them. Correct. Correct. They are totally disconnected. Totally disconnected. That is amazing. And that is jaw-dropping. The report said, how many actually go to church? Yeah, well, maybe it's about 15% uh, these 15%. days. Um, yeah, it's pretty, pretty low on any given uh, weekend. In a, that's in a Christian church. In a Christian church. Now, a lot of our listeners are unable to make it to a church because of their mm-hmm. blindness and the lack of transportation. But I, I'll mm. be honest with you, I also deal with many, and we'll be interviewing one later today, who's been um, disillusioned with the Christian church, but not the Christian faith nor the mm-hmm. mission, and um, they're disillusioned because the church hasn't done a great job. 
So now with that in mind, either that they can't make it or the disillusion, what might you say to our listeners who don't attend church, but yet, as you said earlier, are a child of God and part of the Great Commission? Yeah, you know, I think, um, for one thing, uh, there's things about church that dis- disillusioned me, the organized church that disillusioned <laughs> me, too. So I think we, okay. we all can probably find some common ground there, and we don't have to uh, feel, you know, that we're somehow um, uh, all, all by ourselves in those disillusions. I'm glad you said that. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, but I think, you know, realizing that um, there are some things, if we really uh, are captured by the Great Commission, and I think that's mm-hmm. what Jesus intended to do, and, you know, how, how can God give, put a burden on our hearts and our minds to uh, reach out to or to come together with people who are, um, you know, who may not be, be church? You know, the thing is, church isn't, it is for me, I'm blessed you know, hopefully by what I hear and worship as I gather with other Christians. But really, that's not the end in itself. The end is to, is to give me something that I can take out into the world so that 24-7 my life is on mission. And I think that doesn't exclude anybody. Uh, whether, whether, you know, it's not a matter of just, okay, I go to church on Sunday, check, I'm done, see you next week. It's really about living my life on mission. And so that means in all of my contacts with people, how am I, uh, am I aware of, am I, am I thinking intentionally that I'm, uh, I'm, this may be an opportunity God's giving me to share Jesus with somebody? Or, so can you give uh, me as, some practical things that our listeners to this podcast could do with that in mind? Absolutely. First of all, if they have if they have friends, they they might be sighted friends, or they might be blind or partially blind. Uh, but they could establish a um, uh, a kind of a, a group that doesn't have to meet at a church, but could meet at somebody's home. Uh, people could come to you, um, and you could do some. Uh, some Bible study together, uh, get in the Word, and, and you can talk, you can have a discussion, you can share these things, uh, you can pray together. Um, I think, you know, for me, how do you define church? Is it, is it just what takes place on Sunday morning? And our, the definition we use is, uh, is a group of believers in Christ who gather for biblical worship, learning, and mission. And so uh, you can do that in your home. Uh, I do think it's coming together to learn together, to pray together, and then maybe even to be on mission together and figure out a way, how could we as a, as a group get beyond ourselves? Who are the people we can, we can be sharing with in our, in our daily lives? And maybe it's just telling our story, you know, how, how Jesus, what Jesus means to me. Mm-hmm. Jesus means to me. I like that. I like that. The other thing I keep hearing you come back to is being intentional of looking around yeah. of who does or does not know God. Yeah, yeah. This is why I love the word missional, Dave. It's mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. of that A-L ending, missional, and because missional says to me, I've got to be intentional, and it's personal, and so who are, how am I personally and intentionally involved in the mission of God, in the Great Commission? Mm-hmm. Each one of us as a child of God has a role. 
And I think if we can identify or clarify that role for ourselves, who are the people in my life? You know, who's my little network of people? Or maybe a big network mm -hmm. of people. Mm -hmm. How can I use that? And I got, I've got to think intentionally because it's, it's, rarely does it just happen. Thank you very much, and have a blessed day. And you as well. I see the importance. I see that there is a great harvest and there is a need. But what can I do? What do you mean, what can you do? Well, it's a great interview, but I'm a blind person. Mm -hmm. People don't want me to come and help. Mm. I can't spend a lot of money. I can't... Yeah, I can pray, but... Okay, so but, it, it's... What can I do? I'm only a blind person, right? I suppose you could say, I'm, I'm a single gal. Well, yeah. And I don't drive. And I don't have much money. Okay, much money. And, and, and you're, you're, you're six foot seven and, and 500 pounds. Or is it the other way around? Maybe you're only uh, three foot four and, and 92 pounds. Maybe it's, um, so what does it matter, your situation? Actually, that's the whole point of it all. Is what? Our, yeah, the point of it all is our situation. Did you ever stop and think, once you're saved, once you know Jesus, once you have faith, why in the heck does he leave you here anyway? Why didn't he just whisk you up to heaven and make you safe and secure? Why does he let us go through all this suffering and agony? Uh... This is the reason, so that we might be witnesses. And to whom? Well, whatever situations and circumstances we have. That's why Peter said, always be ready to give a reason for the hope that you have. And he was knowing that he was talking to people who were going to be going to the lion's den. He knew that he was talking to people who were going to be thrown into prison for 15 years and they're in a dungeon. He knew that some would be slaves. He knew some would be, you name it. See, circumstances is why God leaves us here, so we can rub shoulders with others. And who better to tell about a loving, caring God than somebody who's struggling and hurting just like you? Hmm? Now, in a practical way, we used to have a class on this, evangelism, where we went through lots of things to help you. There's really th three things. One, plan. Um, and, and two, prepare. And then three, pray. A plan. Uh, uh, where are you going to be today? Who are you going to be walking with? And I, I do this, by the way. I, I'm not just saying this. Really? I, yeah. As I'm drinking my cup of coffee in the morning, I'm thinking, where am I going to go today? Okay, I'm going to be here or there. Who am I going to be with? Who, what people will I be talking with? And I'm trying to think through all the circumstances that might be coming. From a caller ride driver to a neighbor to just nobody. And if it's nobody, then I go to number two is prepare. If I'm going to be on a caller ride, I, I want to be prepared for conversation. So I think about what is the weather, what is, and, and what is, and, and, and St. Louis, that's where I live, what, is, what are some options I have? What are the sports teams doing? Yeah, um, anything to get a spark of conversation going. Because if, uh, when somebody told me, it's real easy 
to have a car turn if it's moving. But if it's not moving, you can't turn it. Mm. And so I always try to be prepared to get some movement. And then three, pray. Pray, Lord, you know who I am. You know I'm on. You can put it all down if you want. Blind person, single person, 500 pounds, and six foot seven, or the reverse, or whatever. Use me. Use me today how you want. And then if you do all of that, guess what? When you crawl into bed and if nothing happened, and this has happened to me, that I crawl into bed and I spoke to nobody, I say, thanks, Lord, for a day I could breathe, and thank you for tomorrow. I guess I served you today. Because you didn't bring anything else up to me today. I now have on the telephone line, uh, actually for me, a friend going back quite a few years, Robert from Florida. How are you doing today, Bob? Fine. So you have been in Florida now, you and your wife, for quite a few years, right? Uh, about 19 and a half years now. Okay. We had to move here to keep my wife alive with asthma and allergy and my chronic bronchitis. And so the weather down there has helped both of you in your breathing? Yeah, it is. When did you lose your sight, Bob, or most of it? I was losing sight a little bit, probably back when I was 14, 15, and they found out I had retinitis pigmatosis. Now, in the, and, and can I ask how old you are now? 75. 75. When you moved to Florida, God moved you into a new type of ministry. With the church down in Florida, I know you've had some struggles and difficulties. Many of them are related to your blindness. Some are related to other issues with the church. I don't want to get into that other than to say you, you really struggle with the institutional church. Right. And it's not been anything. I noted when my eyes were getting dimmer, so did the mm-hmm. fellowship, and we felt like strangers in our own church. Mm-hmm. So with so. that in mind, God opened a new ministry. Tell me about that. Well, I but the woman came up to it, and they've been watching it for quite a while. And she couldn't figure out why we were showing too much love to each other and showing love to her. Mm-hmm. Who she was. Even the dinner tip we gave her. We gave her $5 tip. And mm-hmm. she didn't understand. And we, I said to the woman, I left my wife. I told her, why don't you tell her and explain it? She accepted Jesus Christ as her Savior. It wasn't long after that. It was almost like a small explosion taking place. It was just spreading. These are people that you met in restaurants and other stores? Yeah. Yeah. That's gotten to the point now. We have people say, I love you too. 
And I've been told I'm like Jesus, my wife told like an angel, sometimes like Jesus. And one woman the other day said, you love me, she's black, and she said, you love me like Jesus loved me. Mm. So the friendship that you are showing to each other and that love towards each other is just uh, shining out, and people are seeing this and speaking to you, and yes. you're reflecting it back to God. Yes. Wow. That's something yes. any person who's blind can be doing. That's right. God don't care about your blindness. He can use it if you let him. Yeah. He wants us as we are. And we've had people say, they had blind people in here, and they didn't care for them because they were very rude. But you, mm. know, you two are very different. We've had a lot of people tell us they're very different. Mm-hmm. But we're showing the love of Jesus Christ. That's all it is. That's all it is. Anything else you'd like to add? God is... Don't care about your ability. That's not the point. He'll give you the ability as you need it. I have found if we're willing and we're walking close with God, He'll use you. Mm. It's not, it doesn't matter if you're blind. It doesn't matter if you don't have much money. It doesn't matter mm-hmm. who you are. If you want to be used and you turn yourself over, and God used it. Thank you for being part of the Great Commission. Thank you for sharing it with the people in room 4216. So, Pastor Dave, aren't you Mm. glad that we did this program my way with with the verses that I wanted to use. I mean, Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20 are very powerful. You know, it's a very strong message. And they, they give a clear direction. Go, make disciples, baptize. And then, on top of that, they're easy to memorize. So... Mm, well, yeah. How can I argue against the Word of God? But I still think my verse is better because not everybody is going and going overseas. Not everyone is baptizing and not everyone is teaching. I like my verse, which says you will be witnesses. And a witness is somebody who speaks of what they know, what they've seen, what they've observed. When you go to court, you aren't trying to persuade somebody, not trying to convince somebody, but just simply state what you know. And that's what Jesus says in, in my verse, Luke twenty four forty seven. You will be witnesses. We just state what God does in our lives. Yeah? Yeah? Uh, yeah? All right, I'll go back to what I said originally. We're both right. Ah, <laughs> and let's hear from our listeners. Maybe we're both wrong. Mm-hmm. Or maybe you have a different verse that you'd like to share. And you can uh, contact us at... Info, I-N-F-O at not-alone, N-O-T-A-L-O-N-E, dot net. And always remember, we are not alone. Do come back again to room 4216.
Credits. Our sincere thanks go to Terry Nord and Robert Vaughn for their interlude music.